I know initially in the pandemic, we thought that if you tested positive for strep or for the flu, that that automatically meant you couldn't have COVID. Now we know that you can have multiple comorbidities and multiple illnesses at the same time. Testing is important um, with a lot of these things, especially with the flu, time is of the utmost importance when it comes to treatment. Um, Here in Florida, we have kind of come down off of our curve. Hopefully we'll stay there after the holidays, but it's important to make sure that we get treatment right away. Um, We do have resources for monoclonal antibodies for patients that we suspect have COVID and similarly making sure that we get patients started on Tamiflu early if they have flu symptoms. But Dr. Wright, you know, um, what happens in here in the Bay Area is that the school sends them home because their nose is running, they have a little diarrhea, uh, and there really doesn't seem to be any standard by which they make the judgment about whether they think it's COVID or whether they think it's not. They just want them out of the school and to get the test. Some of my children have been tested four times in the last four weeks for, for different symptoms. Is there any way to do it or are we just kind of stuck? with this until everybody gets vaccinated. I I think, you know, it is a tough situation, but uh, we do need to increase uh, those vaccination uh, rates. And I think that that would help out. And I think that we can, uh, you know, develop some, you know, policies and some protocols to, uh, you know, try to help uh, distinguish, um, uh, you know, a URI or regular sort of common cold versus uh, COVID and, and the symptoms overlap. So it is, it's it's very hard. And as Dr. Russ mentioned, I mean, it's really important uh, to get tested, uh, but then we also have to have, you know, sort of uh, practices because we want to, um, you know, make sure that we minimize the amount of time uh, that, you know, children are, you know, out of the school. Um, and, and we want to make sure that we can, you know, safely have them um, in the classroom and, and we need uh, protocols to help us do that. Yeah, I think this is going to be a problem for quite some time. 
So let's talk a little bit about the flu. You know, I never know when it's flu season. I mean, I'm tempted to get my flu shot now in May because I didn't know when the, every time I tell, look up, the flu season's already started before I've got the things that I, I need. When actually is the flu season? Absolutely. So the flu season runs in, in the United States from uh, early fall to the winter, typically peaking around December to about February. But over the past few years, you're right, we've definitely had outliers. I've had flu cases as early as August and as late as September, I'm sorry, as late as June, which pretty much consists of the whole year. For me, my rule of thumb is to always make sure that I'm getting my flu shot and my son's flu shot um, by October 15th. That way it has time for the antibodies to build and to make sure that by the time we've hit that peak in December that we're protected. I like to break things down for my patients and I discuss viruses and I say they're like families and we have cousins and that's how we talk about it. So you have adenovirus and rhinovirus and the influenza virus. Those are all different families as well as coronavirus. And then once you get into the families, you have different strains, which would be influenza A or influenza B. I like to call them cousins. And then you have SARS-CoV-2, which of course is the virus that causes COVID compared to the SARS virus that we saw in the early 2000s. Would you like to comment on that, Dr. Ryan? No, no I, I, I agree. I think it's really important for people to understand that there are sort of um, different versions of, um, of the virus or strains, and then there are different viruses, families, as Dr. Russ mentioned. One of the things that, that most of my patients ask me is what is a virus and why is it so deadly? Yeah, so a, a virus, I like to explain it to patients as something that's sort of coming in and trying to invade uh, your system. And we like to think of it as your immune system can help sort of fight and, 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 and get rid of the invader, which is the virus. And so you can think of viruses as creating a lot of inflammation. Right now, we're talking about influenza, we we're talking about COVID, and you can get a lot of um, upper respiratory or infection um, in the lungs that's associated with inflammation. And so really, a, a virus is an invader, and your, your body has to be able to fight it. And uh, part of that fight that the immune system puts up is, is developing antibodies. And that's where, you know, vaccines come in because they can help us uh, fight off viruses because they're helping us build up those antibodies. You know, there are, um, there are a lot of people, who've been, a lot of families uh, who, before the COVID virus issue, were hesitant about getting the flu vaccine. Um, and there are a lot of myths about the flu vaccine as there are about the COVID vaccine. Let's deal with some of those. First of all, uh, let's talk about can give me, and I don't know how many adults, intelligent adults tell me this. Every time I get the flu vaccine, I get the flu. Does the flu vaccine give you the flu? Absolutely, unequivocally not. Um, there are not a lot of 100% guarantees that we can give in medicine. A lot of times it's benefit risk ratios and analyses, but without a doubt, the flu vaccine does not give the flu. And it's for one simple reason, it's not a live virus. There are no particles, there are particles of um, inactivated flu vac, but not, it's not active. I'm sorry, can we do that one again? Sure, of course. Sorry, I got so passionate about it. Let me just ask the question again. You know, just like the coronavirus, there are a lot of myths about the flu virus that people use to keep from getting it. And in fact, before we in California mandated that everybody get vaccinated or that the flu be part of that process, you know, there was the same hesitancy that we saw with the coronavirus that we're seeing. Uh, one of the myths is that the, getting the flu vaccine, 
I mean, my own friends. Every time I get the flu vaccine, I get the flu. That vaccine gave me that flu. What about that, Dr. Russell? Absolutely, unequivocally, you cannot get the flu from the flu vaccine. There are not a lot of 100% guarantees that we can make in medicine, but this is definitely one of them. The flu vaccine does not come from a live virus. There, You cannot get it from the flu vaccine. What typically happens is, again, cold and flu season overlap, so you're in the winter time. There are a lot of other viruses circulating. You get that virus as soon as you've had the flu vaccine, and in your mind, you associate it with being due to the flu vaccine. But again, because it is not a live vaccine, you cannot, cannot, cannot get the flu from the flu vaccine. Okay, another one is that, you know, I know four people died from getting the flu vaccine. How common are side effects like, and certainly death is obviously the ultimate side effect, but how common are side effects with the flu and what are they likely to be, Dr. Wright? Now, you can get mild, uh, you know, side effects, uh, such as, you know, some uh, redness at the site in which you're injected, some soreness in that arm um, that, that that's injected. And that's, you know, pretty common. Um, but this is, it, it's very, very rare to have an allergic uh, reaction, uh, severe allergic reaction uh, uh, to the to the flu. So these um, other reactions are very very rare, and more commonly you can get the uh, soreness in your arm. Now one of the things that uh, Dr. Russ did um, mention as well is people are saying, well I get the every time I get the flu vaccine I I get I can get the flu from it. And so you know one side effect uh, that you can get or a compilation of side effects include you know, you can feel sometimes headache or um, uh, your muscles can ache. And so sometimes you feel that way or perhaps even a mild fever. Sometimes that is a sign that your immune system is working. So it's it's learning how to mount that uh, immune system response because that's exactly what you want. You want the protection um, if, if your body were to come in contact with the flu, you want the flu to be able to fight it. So sometimes patients can mistake that for, oh, I'm actually getting the flu. No, it's, it's actually your immune system learning how to fight. Our special guest today, Dr. Lakeisha Wright, Dr. Dory Russ, we're in the Wellness Watch program. We're talking about the importance of flu vaccine, kind of the, the kind of, it's kind of second rate now that the COVID vaccine has taken over. But now, and even prior to this, flu uh, influenza had a devastating effect in our community. We've given you some statistics. What about pregnant women? You know, we're just starting to recognize uh, that those of us who are dealing with, uh, you know, infants and children, pregnant mothers, that it's important for pregnant mothers to get most vaccines. What about the flu? Absolutely. So when you're thinking about pregnancy, you're in an immunocompromised state. So again, you want all the protection you can get, but then also you have the physiologic, physiologic changes of pregnancy as well. So a patient who is pregnant and gets the flu um, is at greater risk for actually being admitted to the hospital, possibly being intubated and dying. Um, compare that to the five minutes it takes to get the shot to get that protection. It's definitely recommended. Yeah, and we're already dealing, Dr. Wright, aren't we, with an increase in maternal mortality among uh, African-American women. Uh, and so consequently, we really need to take every step we can take, wouldn't you say? Yes, I think it's very important. It's, it's very important to um, uh, understand why, you know, uh, pregnant women are, are so uh, vulnerable. And of course, they're, they're 
you know, uh, carrying their baby. And that takes a, a large toll on the body and, and the immune system, you know, is compromised. So again, with that flu vaccine, you're, you're giving your body the chance to be able to fight, uh, to develop those antibodies. And, and particularly in pregnancy, uh, it, it's very important to have those uh, antibodies developed. And it's very important to get vaccinated to get those, the, the appropriate antibodies. Well, are there some people who shouldn't get the vaccine? Right. The most common reason to not get a flu vaccine would be if you have a history of Guillain-Barre disease. Guillain-Barre disease is a disease that affects the nervous system. Um, it's been in the news a lot this year because there were some patients who received a COVID-19 vaccine and subsequently developed Guillain-Barre. Typically, those were men in their late 40s or early 50s. So again, if you had a history of Guillain-Barre, that would definitely be a discussion to have with your healthcare provider about the risk-benefit analysis of receiving a flu vaccine. You know, one of the things that I, in my introduction, is that we're all members of the allergy section of the National Medical Association. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that toward the end of our program. But as allergists, we're always concerned about the impact of viruses on the most deadly disease that we deal with, uh, which is asthma. Mm -hmm. Why is it important, though, for asthmatics or patients with that? You know, you can't say anything anymore. You can't say people don't take their medicine. You say they have to adhere. They don't adhere. I mean, but but why is it important that uh, people who have uh, viral infections, uh, people who have a history of asthma, get a flu vaccine? Yes, it's very important that people with asthma get a flu vaccine because you can think of asthma as inflammation in the lungs. And we know that with influenza or, you know, the flu, it can wreak a lot of havoc in the lungs and create um, a lot of inflammation. And so if you're if you have asthma, you're particularly at risk for complications um, from the flu or uh, for it triggering your asthma and worsening um, asthma exacerbations. And so it's really important that you know patients with asthma get vaccinated. And Dr. Ross? Oh, completely 100%. I'm actually going to speak as a patient with asthma who all of my life grew up calling herself asthmatic, but you're right, times do change and we have to stay up with them. Um, again, you want to make sure that you're giving yourself a fighting chance. There's so many things that we don't have control of over life, whether it be our water supply or our food, but making sure that we get vaccinations when we're, there, when we're eligible is definitely one of the steps we can take to protect ourselves. And I think that people don't recognize the role that viruses play in morbidity and mortality with asthma. Uh, certainly the, in young children, we see an awful lot of children with a particular virus called respiratory syncytial virus, mm -hmm. maybe not more lethal than, than the flu and causing a certain type of asthma, but uh, many of the adults who get into trouble, and there are 10 people who die every day from asthma, African-American women with the largest mortality rates, a lot of those are people who have flu or who have other viruses, um, very, very similar. Um, here's one of the things that always puzzles me. Every year, somebody's trying to talk me into the fact that this year's flu is the worst ever, and this year's vaccine doesn't cover anything. So let, let's deal, first of all, are, flu are there flu epidemics that are worse than others? Uh, and are there certain types of flu that are worse than others? Uh, and how do we know uh, how effective the flu vaccine is? Don't That's rush right. to answer the question, doctors. Yes. So, yes, there there are um, many different um, sort of strains of flu, and what happens is we um, 
you look at what strengths were from the prior season, and then they try to to make um, the the vaccine for the upcoming upcoming season uh, reflect um, what what has been seen in the past. And this is very important because we know that. Uh, flu, you know, it, it, it's constantly uh, changing. So it, it, it is, you know, we do hear, well, this is the worst season, but um, we have to actually, you know, continue to look at the different strains that are out there, which ones are, uh, you know, highly uh, common, highly prevalent, and then sort of tweak the vaccine to reflect that. And so because the flu um, or influenza is constantly uh, changing. That is why we have this, uh, you know, discussion uh, year over year as to what's, you know, worse. Dr. Ross? I, I mean, she said it all. <laughs> all right. Well, that's, that's a good answer. Uh, what about this year? How bad has the flu season been and how effective is the vaccine? So I'll just talk about what we're seeing here in Florida. Um, I think we got spoiled last year. Everyone was masked up. We didn't even run our rapid flu test machine. Um, we've definitely had a few patients come in already. We've had some staff members out and they have tested positive for the flu. So it is out. Um, it remains to be seen how effective the vaccine is. But what we like to mention is the flu vaccine is designed to help you to not die from the flu. Um, it is possible to get the flu vaccine and still have the flu later on, but it's typically a milder case. You know, I think things have gotten so important about the flu that on most hospital staffs, maybe people don't know this, you can't practice unless you demonstrate that you've had a, a flu uh, vaccination because of the morbidity associated with it. So I think we've established the importance of the flu. I gave some statistics out uh, in the beginning of our program on what the impact on the African-American community. I think if you look at the number of deaths, we disproportionately die from every chronic disease and from every infection. I think it was Dick Gregory said that when America gets sick, uh, African-Americans get pneumonia. And so consequently, the flu is one of those things that can be prevented very much like the coronavirus and COVID-19 infections if you get the vaccination. I'd like to digress a little bit to talk about allergy and allergists. I think that one of the, I'd like to digress a little bit to talk about allergy and allergists. I think that one of the things that is interesting to me, I, I've been an allergist probably longer than either of you have been. Or maybe I shouldn't say that, but I've said it already. In any event, there's still so few allergists in the country. Dr. Wright, tell us about your journey into allergy and clinical immunology. Uh, what got you into the specialty? Yes, yeah, so um, thank you for asking that question. I grew up with asthma and allergies, and I had um, I was really um, uh, one of those kids who missed a lot of school because of uh, asthma flares or asthma attacks. Um, I was in the ER, you know, constantly every you know time I got caught a cold. Um, I would, you know, uh, get an asthma exacerbation and, and end up in the uh, ER. And so I had a very positive experience um, as far as uh, 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 getting care in, in the hospital and in the clinic. And so uh, that inspired me to become a doctor. I did not know that there was a specialty of uh, allergy and clinical immunology until I was actually in medical school. Mm -hmm. And so, because I had been seen uh, by my uh, pediatrician uh, primarily. And so once I found out about the specialty and how you can treat asthma and allergies, I thought, oh, this is right up, 
up my alley and, and something I'm very passionate about. So uh, that is, you know, my journey. I am personally affected by asthma and allergies, and, and that's why I've chosen to uh, pursue a career in the, in the field. Uh, so I'd like to thank both of you, Dr. Wright uh, and Dr. Russ. And Dr. Russ, when we I have our program on AIDS, I hope you will come back uh, and discuss that with us uh, as well. So I hope that our message to people is that the flu vaccine is every bit as important as the COVID-19 vaccine. I think Dr. Russ said it best, is that it's crazy that we can do something to prevent ourselves from getting sick and certainly to prevent ourselves from dying. And I think that's the position we're in whenever there's a good vaccine against a, a, a tough infection. So thank you very much. What a good discussion on the flu. Uh, certainly that should motivate you and not to forget to get your flu shot. And remember if you're older, that you can get an enhanced flu shot so ask for the special flu shot for people older than 65. Hi, everybody. Happy holidays to you and your family. Today, we're going to talk about some ways to help make sure that as you celebrate your holidays, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, as you are celebrating, that you celebrate safely. So we're going to talk about four things today. We're going to talk about travel safety, some safety tips about decorations, we're going to talk about fire safety and lastly because it is the holiday season we're going to talk about toys all right so let's start with travel in terms of travel safety we know that holidays are amongst the most deadliest time of year and that's for a couple of reasons there are a number of people on the road number two there is alcohol most likely involved in about third about a third of our accidents so as you're celebrating and you're with your family and your friends, please consider having a designated driver, someone who is going to not have a drink um, about two to three hours prior to leaving. And that person will be in charge of making sure that everyone gets home safely. If you know someone in your family who has been drinking a little bit too much, this is the time where you can step in and say, hey, let me take you home or let's have someone else take you home. Also in terms of travel safety, as you're on, uh, if you're flying or traveling by train or wherever there might be crowds, you wanna make sure that you wear your mask inside um, and that you attempt to try to avoid crowds as much as possible. As you're traveling this holiday season, be mindful of um, what you're doing prior to your travel. If you're traveling home to see grandparents or people who have young children, you wanna try to make sure that you limit um, your um, activity and exposure to coronavirus or to the flu virus um, about three to five days prior to your travel. That way it, you will know if you start feeling ill that it might be um, a good idea for you to decline the invitation and to remain home. As you're traveling this holiday season, it's really important that you make sure to be mindful of your own symptoms and the symptoms of those around you. Safety decorating. As you are decorating your homes this holiday season and making them so beautiful, want to make sure that you pay attention to how you're decorating and what you're decorating your home with. If you're going to use lights, you want to make sure that the lights don't have any frays at the um, end of the lights, that there aren't any shortages in the um, the light switches themselves. And if there's any bulbs that need to be replaced, that you replace them prior to placing them on the tree. We don't want any electrical fires accidentally starting. 
if you're using an artificial tree or a live tree, we want to make sure that you keep those away from um, any vents that um, are fireplaces, candles, anything that have the potential um, to cause uh, damage or fires to the tree. You also want to make sure that if you're going to decorate with things like um, mistletoe, that you um, Keep that away from children because you want to make sure that your children don't accidentally um, take anything that could be poisonous. And lastly, as you're decorating, particularly if you have a live tree, you want that tree to stay alive. So a hack that I love is in my bowl where my tree is sitting, I put tons and tons of ice cubes with just a little bit of water to allow the ice cubes to slowly melt. And that allows my tree to remain vibrant and alive for a long period of time. Let's move on to fire safety because it, this is in this time of year with holidays, we see lots of fires. So we talked a little bit about keeping your trees away from candles, fireplaces, or heating vents. You also want to make sure that all of your other decorations um, that are flame or fire resistant. If you have an artificial tree, you want it to say fire resistant. Please make sure that as you light candles to have that lovely smell in your home, that you will not leave those candles unattended. Don't leave the candles on as you leave your home. Don't leave the candles on as you go to sleep at night. If you want candles close to your Christmas tree, make sure they're flameless candles. That way you have the light and the beauty of the candles, but not the danger of the fires. Finally, let's talk about toys. Now this is the holiday season, so we love having toys. We wanna make sure though that the toys are safe. Really pay attention to the ages on the toy packages. For children who are less than three, no matter how smart you think those kids are, no matter how precocious those kids are, make sure that if they're under the age of three, that there are no small parts that they can put in their mouth because that is a choking hazard. And no matter what kids are kids, they're curious and lots of them like to put things in their mouths. So we wanna make sure that they are not toys that can cause choking for our babies who are less than three. You also want to be mindful of toys that you're getting older kids, especially if they need to be plugged into an outlet, because you want to make sure that those kids really are old enough to understand how to plug uh, a toy into the outlet safely. Um, in terms of other toys, you want to make sure that you check with parents so that if you are going to buy a toy with wheels, skateboard, a bicycle, um, a, a hoverboard that to see if they already also have helmet or elbow pads or wrist pads and consider in addition to buying that toy with wheels that you also buy the pads and the helmet so that that child can ride that that willed toy safely so during this holiday season, I hope you take these tips and think about what you're doing, who you're around, and how to enjoy this holiday season with your friends and family safely. Thank you for watching today's edition of Wellness Watch. What a good discussion on the influenza. I hope that motivates you to go get your flu shot if you haven't already done so. And if you're older than 65, remember to ask for the enhanced flu shot. I also want to thank Dr. Donna Carey for warning us about the things that can happen around Christmas time. I know I've had some of these things happen to me. One of the things I might want to throw in is that 
You know, around Christmas time, you don't want to be around negative people. If you had a gathering last year and there was somebody negative or an argument broke out or you had an uncle who had a little bit too much to drink, it's not going to work again this year. You may want to set it up a little differently. But I want to take this opportunity to wish you the happiest of holidays from the Welcome Watch. Remember, others your biggest asset. I'm Dr. Mike Lenore. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week, as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.